Well, good morning. This is Craig Bryant, and happy Thanksgiving. I hope you've enjoyed time with your friends and family um, these recent days. It's exciting to be with our church family today, both those of you that are afar listening um, through the internet or those that are here in Northeast Tarrant County and have been able to be on campus. We're excited that we can celebrate God's love together. And as we get started with our lesson today, as we finish the book of Isaiah and the lessons that have come before and wrap up today, let's uh, do that as we open in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we get a chance to learn from your word yet again this Lord's Day. And as we open your scripture, we pray for divine wisdom to be granted to us, that we will see things that will help us in our daily walk, that we will better understand your mercies and your truths, and that we will be found faithful to carry forward the work that you've asked us to do. And Father, as we uh, go through this Thanksgiving season and enter into a time of preparation and celebration of, of your greatest gift, your Son, we pray now that this time will be a great time of refreshment for us as we um, strive to really know what the true meaning of the Christmas season is. And Lord, we know Christmas began what um, finalized on the Easter timetable as the Lord was uh, giving of himself as a sacrifice. And through his death, burial, and resurrection, we have eternal life by believing in him. We're grateful that that simple truth is eternal. And now, Lord, as we look at Isaiah, we pray that um, we'll have a good time of fellowship through this word together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before we get to uh, the book of Isaiah, let me just have you open your Bible to the book of Romans. We're going to be in chapter 8 as we uh, kind of set the context for today's lesson. You know, as I was preparing and looking over this lesson, the title is God Restores. And it got me thinking about so much of what we spend our time doing on earth. We try to restore old things new, whether it's an older car or maybe we buy or rent a home and we upgrade it a bit. And it's exciting to see that happen. But there's nothing compared to the excitement of what the new heaven and new earth is going to look like. And that's really what we're going to be talking about today. But as context, let me read to you starting in Romans 8, verses 18 and 19. For I consider the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be um, compared with the glory that is to be revealed to come. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the Son of God. You know, um, the groaning, the longing that we have for days to come. Many of you have a countdown calendar going toward a birthday or Thanksgiving or Christmas, and you just can't wait for those days to get here. Well, all of creation is longing to be restored, is longing to have the refreshment that comes from God's touch um, and get out from the curse of sin. And so with that in mind, let's go into the book of Isaiah. We're in chapter 65, and I'll be reading verses 17 through 25, and then we'll dissect those uh, section at a time. So as you flip over your scripture there, uh, let's look together at what God says about the new heavens and the new earth. 
Verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem for rejoicing and her people for gladness. I will also rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. And there will no longer be heard in her the voice of weeping and the sound of crying. No more will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his days. For the youth will die at the age of 100, and the one who does not reach the age of 100 will thought to be accursed. They will build houses and inhabit them. They will also plant vineyards and eat fruit. They will not build and another inhabit. They will not plant and another eat. For as the lifetime of the tree, so will be the days of my people. And my chosen ones will wear out the work of the hands. Verse 23, They will not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they are the offspring of those blessed by the Lord and their descendants with them. It will also come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are speaking, I will hear. And finally, verse 25. The wolf and the lamb will graze together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and the dust will be the serpent's food. They will do no evil or harm in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Well, I read that end-to-end versus segmenting it because I think it's a beautiful picture as you look at things uh, all together as we read through the new heaven and the new earth. Now, there are plenty of other scriptures that time will not allow us to look at today that talk about the the times that are to come. But today in particular, I want to break these down and spend time on what the work of our hands will be and how we are created for joy. So let's start with verse 17, first of all. Creating the new heaven and new earth. The past events will not be remembered or come to mind. Now let me be clear, this is not a do-over. This is not a mulligan. Um, And if you don't know the term mulligan, it's kind of a colloquialism most often used as, I want to do it again. Uh, for those of you who know sports, you'll hear that often in golf. Can I have another shot from the same spot? My first one didn't go well. It's called a mulligan. Let me do it over. That's not what God is saying. As part of his eternal plan, he has all along created from the Garden of Eden until the time of this new heaven and new earth, there is a time where we are amongst our sin curse. We're amongst things that thorns in gardens and and problems in life um, that are just part of his overall plan. Yet God is loving and he wants us to be in fellowship. And someday this new heaven is going to be there. And that redemption from sin's curse is going to be visible. There will be no more memories of those things that we had previously. So there is a newness, a freshness a collaboration with God in the sense of fellowship being unbroken. Now, we have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ our Lord, and that bridge of Him being the way, the truth, and the life, as He says in John, uh, the book of John, certainly is a very important thing to not lose as a truth. But know full well that this bridge is going to be able to be new in the sense that we're going to be together 
in body and mind and spirit with God himself in this newness. And that is super exciting. Now, verses 18 and 19, I've written down in my notes, this is the redemption of memory. So look at this. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I'm creating, which is the new Jerusalem. It's going to be a joy and its people will be a delight. I, the Lord, will rejoice just as you are rejoicing, and I'll be glad in my people. And I will. there's no longer a sound of weeping or crying. I was reading a sermon from Charles Haddon Spurgeon over this set of scriptures. And he talked about that this is a time where God shows to all around his redemptive power. Now, we have throughout scripture many stories of people who saw it in action, miracles that we can read about based upon eyewitness accounts. And we can believe in those things as true. We know the Bible is inerrant and scripture is profitable for teaching in all things. However, um, this is the one time where um, the pastor Spurgeon says, this is God's great visible truth to all people. And so it is an exciting thing to look forward to. And if you think about it, the other thing that he noted in his, in his sermon was that the word rejoice here is a command form of the word, not just an emotional feeling like we often have when we're rejoicing over a wonderful meal, rejoicing over a touchdown, rejoicing over the birth of a child. Those are wonderful feelings. But this is an intentional action that we're taking to rejoice. And the reason it's commanded as it is throughout Scripture is that God inhabits our praise. And so in, by inhabiting our praise, we can know full well that our action of rejoicing also causes Him to be in strong fellowship with us. Now, this truism is one that um, is seen throughout Scripture. So it's not unique to the book and the prophet Isaiah, but it is a good way for Isaiah to end his thoughts and his prophecies is in this world or in this word of um, causing us to be rejoicing in this new world. So we can do that knowing that there is a certainty as God creates this new community. You know, going back to what I said when I opened about this being Thanksgiving, most of us will have the joy of being together with family, even if it's social distancing. I was just speaking with another staff member here at the church who, who won't get to be with some of his family because of COVID. Um, and so that's sad to him and obviously sad to the family. Well, can you imagine where we won't even be speaking of COVID or disease or other problems again, how great that's going to be? It's going to be a wonderful time of community and a family and a fellowship together. How we long for those days. Well, let's skip down now to verse 21. And this is what I'm titling the redemption of work. So let's read 21 and 22 briefly. 
People will build houses and live in them, plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and others live in them. They will not plant and others eat. For my people's lives will be like the lifetime of a tree. My chosen ones will fully enjoy the work of their hands. Gosh, I could spend half an hour on just these two verses. There is so much here to unpack, but let's just hasten along. First of all, um, the work of a person's hands is meaningful to God. And as we look at the Old Testament earlier, when the people of Israel were taken out of Egypt and were uh, pulled away from their time in slavery, we know that they were able to um, go into the promised land and take on houses and vineyards that others had planted. And so that was a wonderful gift. That gift did not come without problems or wars or challenges or scary times. But nonetheless, they were able to inhabit places that they had not built. And that was a blessing. But God knows that full well that the work of our hands and the feeling that comes from a good job done is hard to replicate. And so here the prophet is talking about how our hands and our work are going to be blessed and how we're going to know that we've done the work in concert with what God is calling us to do. Now, they use the term homes and vineyards because most often in those days, those are the things that were done when you set down roots to live in a place, to plant gardens and vineyards, to have the produce of your hands and a place that you could call your own. Did you know that throughout the world that the number one need of people is to have a place to call their own? If you were to ask any tribe or tongue or nation what they would be looking for, it's to have good work and a place to call their own. That would be the biggest thing on a wish list. It would not be about a fancy job title or a car or some sort of bank account. It would be just a place that they could say, these are my roots. Human nature across every kind of culture and denomination every type of background and situation uh, leads us to that. At the same time, I want to give you a statistic here in the U.S. that is somewhat disturbing, and that is one in five people do not find their job to be fulfilling. Oh, it may fill up their, their bank account a bit. It may help them get by, but it's not meaningful in the sense of the work that they do having some sort of connection to value to themselves or to others. Now, you may be one of those five who either dislikes your job or feels like it doesn't really add a lot of value. Well, here in God's plan, the work that is ordained for you to do and the things that God has created for you to do will clearly come to fruition. And you're going to feel that sense of camaraderie and accomplishment for doing His good plan and good will. Now, we don't know exactly what those kind of jobs are going to be in eternity, but clearly the analysis of houses and vineyards means that there is work to be done with our hands and things that we'll be doing to allow the new heaven and the new earth to fall in line with God's eternal plan. And the reason I could spend 30 minutes on this is many writers have written about what this kind of work might be 
and we could sit here and speculate and wonder about it. But just know full well that the work of our hands will be blessed by God and that there will be a sense that we get to do things that we were created to do. So what a great, great promise that is as the prophet outlines it for us. Let's continue down to verses 24 and 25 as we get ready to conclude our lesson today. So I call this the redemption of peaceful existence. So verse 24, Even before they call, I will answer. While they're still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together and the lion will eat straw, but the serpent's food will be dust. They will not do what is evil or destroy on my entire holy mountain, says the Lord. So when you think about this word picture, first of all, God will be um, near to us. And as we see in verse 24, even before they call, I'll answer. While they're still speaking, I hear. That kind of illustration is not meant to say that God isn't omnipresent or all-knowing today. He is. But instead to say, in this new world, in this new situation, that the closeness and the community that we will enjoy is unlike anything we've seen. You know, people who really study God wonder if we could make him like a mind reader. That he, because he knows everything, can just quickly, um, you know, before we even blink, know what's going on. Um, so many people pay for psychics these days and say, tell me what the future holds. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. They, they're looking for any sort of nuance to uh, find some sort of, of hope. We won't need anything like that. The God that we serve, who knows us inside out, who created us from dust, clearly will be close in a way that he's trying to illustrate, Isaiah's trying to illustrate, that is, um, that we've just never experienced before. How grand that will be. And finally, looking at these animals, the wolf and the lamb together, the lion and the lamb, uh, you know, the lion being a, a vegetarian in, in this case, I cannot tell you how important zoos were to my wife and I when our children were younger. When we traveled, we would take our children to zoos in faraway places, and we certainly took them around here in Dallas-Fort Worth, not just because we enjoyed the animals, but because we enjoyed the contrast in God's kingdom. The long-necked giraffe and the elephant with the tiny tail but the huge trunk and how, how creative God has been. But he did create an order for the prey versus the pursued that happened in today's world. And, you know, can't imagine sheep wanting to be around a wolf. Can't imagine a lion just grazing on a, a field of hay. But what he's saying is there's going to be a peaceful existence. This is the number one thing that the world seeks in its non or its lack of pursuit for God. Trying to find peace, trying to stay away from wars, trying to stay away from rallies, whatever it might be, just to find peace. There are bumper stickers that are out there that say coexist, and the COE 
XIST or all the different symbols of the seven major religions of the world. And, and if you look at it in terms of just, hey, let's all be at peace, kumbaya, that's a nice principle. But we know, as God has said, there will be wars and rumors of wars until the very end. There will be poverty among us until the very end. And that doesn't make it right. But what it does make us know is that the peace of God is all that will truly last. And we know here, as Isaiah closes this part of his writing, that he's saying there'll be a peace unlike anything the world has ever experienced since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. Now, we've gone over a lot today. There are several cross-references that I'm sure if you open your Bible and look in the margins, you'll find to Old and New Testament scriptures. And, and time doesn't allow us to do this. But the one final reference I want to draw us to is Revelation 21.5. And as we turn there together in our scriptures, um, let me just read that to us in closing. So Revelation 21, verse 5. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. In Revelation, we know the context is way different than in Isaiah but the parallels are unmistakable. Isaiah is speaking of making all things new, and here in Revelation, we're hearing about the new heaven and the new earth. If time allowed, we could read all of chapter 21 and find incredible truths here. But let me just close by saying, look who is making all things new. Not mankind. You and I can restore a house or a car and make it look new and act new and be better. But only God can make all things new. And that's what he promises here in the book of Revelation. Oh Lord, come quickly. We look forward to the day where Thanksgiving isn't just a holiday on the U.S. or Canadian calendar, but it is truly an eternity, a peaceful community and wonderful fellowship with our Creator in a way unlike anything we've ever experienced. We look forward to that day and how we'll give thanks to you, Lord, for doing that as you have planned. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that we have a chance today to get a foretaste of what heaven's going to be like. Around the Thanksgiving table, we enjoyed food and family and fellowship, and all those things are going to happen in heaven. We know that they're is the feast that comes with the bridegroom. We, we know that there is fellowship one with another because you've promised that we will be known as we are known today. And Lord, we will also have family, not just the bloodline family, but the family of God that you have ordained for your kingdom. We are so grateful that that promise is true. And as we close our study of Isaiah, we thank you for all the teachers that have taught this quarter throughout this very packed book of prophecy, of promises, and of your truths. 
And Lord, as we close today, we ask you to help us look expectantly to that new heaven and new earth. Lord, it seems so complex to us, but to you, it is just the final chapter in your eternal plan for mankind. And we're grateful that you had that in mind when you created us. Now, Lord, as believers, we ask you to help us look expectantly to that day, but in times of trial or trouble, to stand firm on your truths and to live in faith as you called us to do, no matter the challenge. Thank you for our time together today. In Jesus' name, amen.